Welcome to another edition of Solar Speaks, a podcast series from Solar Power World Magazine. I'm Kathy Zip, Senior Editor. So you've likely heard of IHS market and research reports or articles about solar or the storage market, but today we get to learn more about the organization as we talk to Cormac Gilligan, Research Manager of Solar and Energy Storage, and Miguel De Jesus, Senior Energy Analyst at IHS. We're happy to have you both here today, so thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. So, Cormac, maybe you can start by telling me a little more about IHS Market. I've heard many reports from you and known about the organization, but I'm wondering, you know, is it a, a global research firm and does it focus on other industries besides solar and storage? So, IHS Market is a global provider of market intelligence. We work within the TMT team um, and we're based in a global team, but our, our company focuses on lots of other different areas such as energy, automotive, uh, finance and chemicals and and we work with some of the largest companies in the world such as the Fortune 500. Great and can you tell me a little bit more about what your job is specifically and the work you do? Yes I work within the solar and energy storage team. Specifically I focus on the global market for PV inverters and increasingly on the energy storage market particularly looking at how the uh, PCS market is developing, as well as other hot topics. Very good. And so you are located out of Ireland, right? Yeah. So I'm, uh, as I said, uh, our team is, is based globally. We have team members in Americas, uh, Europe, uh, and I'm based in Ireland. And then we have other colleagues who are based in uh, Asia, the key markets such as China, Japan, and India. Awesome. And then so we also have Miguel here, and um, he is out of Austin. So, Miguel, can you tell me a little bit more about your focus at IHS and what you work on? Sure. So, I work closely with Cormax to cover global markets for PV inverters, uh, module-level power electronics, and also energy storage. As you said, I am based in Austin, where we have a a team of solar analysts, uh, and I speak with suppliers all over the world, and also I attend major solar trade shows in, in North America to cover the markets. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have both of you here to talk a little bit more about the markets. Specifically, Miguel, I was wondering if you could start by sharing maybe some insight you have with things that you're seeing in the solar market as a whole right now. I know there's a lot going on. Last year was a really big year for installations, and then we have the tariffs that we're facing this year. So what are you kind of seeing going on in solar right now? Yeah, sure. Well, one interesting thing that Cormac and I are starting to watch is actually something that we're calling energy management solution. So this is the idea of uh, inverter suppliers building platforms that allow different electrical components, let's say, for example, heating and cooling or uh, cooling inside of a restaurant, for example, uh, plugging those into a, a central platform uh, with really the, the, the PV inverter at the heart of the system. And then that platform basically can do many things, but can can help track energy generation, consumption, and basically using software to help make the uh, overall system run more efficiently. And so we're seeing this a little bit more. And for example, SMA announced a, a new subsidiary called Kiva, uh, which is basically trying to explore this market for energy management solutions. And we see this as an example of uh, inverter suppliers building these platforms and eventually hopefully becoming stickier with their existing uh, customer base. 
And another trend that I'm seeing, especially in the United States, is just how grid requirements are shaping for technologies. For example, California Rule 21. This comes about because in the past, power plants generated electricity and supplied it to homes. But with renewables and especially solar, those new technologies present different challenges for the electric grid. And so something like California Rule 21 sets out certain guidelines to uh, aid in grid stability and, and things of that nature. Excellent. And I'm glad you touched on inverters a little bit because I'm actually working on an article about trends in inverters. And so I was hoping that um, you two could help me out. I did want to pick your brains a little bit. But first of all, I'm wondering, you know, what you're seeing in the string and central inverter market. I know in years past, we were kind of seeing string inverters getting more powerful in smaller units that were actually resulting in them being chosen over central inverters in some large commercial and small utility projects. So is this still the case that we're seeing? Yes, I'll add a little bit of color to that, Kelly. So in, in terms of the string inverter market, over the last few years, you're, you're correct. Number one, we've seen greater adoption of string inverters in increasingly in larger systems, going beyond even large commercial into utility scale. Um, we've seen some major suppliers uh, entering into the market that are very focused on the segment, namely Huawei. And for example, in some key markets such as China, India, Japan, and the United States, we're starting to see increasing adoption of this solution. In line with that, as you mentioned, we've also seen a number of suppliers increasing the uh, power rating of string inverters. So, you know, in the past, we may have had 20 kilowatts being kind of the, the average size that I went to 40. And increasingly, we're seeing really 60 and 80 becoming the norm. And then also, in recent times, we've seen next generation products above the 100 kilowatts. And into the future, I think we'll We'll almost get very close to the 200 kilowatts range. What this is doing fundamentally is allowing this solution or architecture to compete with central inverters on a price basis. And it's also reducing the number of units in the field, uh, therefore reducing the labor cost and cost of installation. But that being said, other suppliers are, are kind of doing a different approach. Um, so, for example, other market leaders such as Sungro and SMA have really chosen to have a diversified portfolio. Uh, and by this, I mean that they let the customer choose if they prefer working with a, a three-phase string inverter solution or a central inverter solution, uh, depending on the geography or the site conditions or their expertise. And then other suppliers have chosen to stay with the central inverter solution and what we've seen there, Miguel and I have been tracking this over the last few years, is that this has continued to evolve as well. One of the big changes we've seen in that market is moving towards what's called a, a modular central inverter solution. Uh, and that basically means that if one power unit goes down, uh, you don't lose all of, let's say, a, a two megawatt or a four megawatt central inverter. So suppliers like uh, Power Electronics, team like and others are really promoting this type of solution. That's very interesting. I did want to talk about power optimizers and microinverters for a minute as well, because I know, especially as the national electrical codes come into effect, these options are um, expected to gain market share and 
because they're inherently compliant with module-level shutdown requirements. So is this what you see continuing to happen, Miguel? Yeah, I can talk a little bit more about that. So, so these are standards set out by the U.S. National Fire Protection Association. And the reason for these standards is uh, really all about safety on the rooftop. And this is safety for first responders who have to be on the roof to respond to some uh, sort of emergency event. And so a little bit of history on this is NEC 2014, which for the, uh, up to the 2014 standards, they included uh, something called rapid shutdown requirements for rooftop installations. And basically what rapid shutdown means is it was a set of standards that say that the system has to be able to shut down electric current on the rooftop uh, within 10 feet of, of the solar array. And again, this is so that first responder up on the roof is then uh, electrocuted by, uh, by live cables or wires up on the roof. And so with the uh, basically the 10-foot rule for NEC 2014, you could meet that requirement by, for example, installing a string inverter within 10 feet of the array. You could install a string inverter inside. And then also in market, there are uh, a few rapid shutdown boxes, which you install inside of that 10-foot boundary. But what's important is that now we have something called NEC 2017, which are the new standards. And the new rapid shutdown standards actually now require rapid shutdown within the TV array. And so that means that module-level power electronics, like, like microinverters, like power optimizers, are the most obvious and uh, commercially available solution to meet this requirement. So obviously, that's been a big boost to those suppliers, especially in residential installations. MLTEs are very common. In commercial applications, which we've seen is usually a little bit more price-sensitive, MLTEs were less common because lower cost ring inverters were preferred. However, with rapid shutdown requirements, especially for NEC 2017, there's a little bit more pressure for commercial installers to consider or recommend power optimizers for microinverters for commercial rooftop installations. Right. And so I'm going along with that. I'm kind of curious if we're seeing an increase in integrated modules too, where the a microinverter or power optimizer is attached directly to the module. I know some people say maybe this makes installation a little bit easier. We are seeing more of that. Um, for example, we're seeing partnerships being formed with module-level power electronic suppliers and module suppliers. We've seen partnered up with like premium module suppliers like LG and Panasonic. Uh, and, and you're right, attaching the MLPE directly to the module inside of the factory aids in simpler installation. And really, the, the bottom line is that it lowers costs because labor times when you've got the unit directly attached to the module already. The benefits to microinverter and power optimized suppliers is it allows them access to additional sales channels to their module partnerships and allows them to sell at a at greater volume as well. Very good. And Cormac, with your specialty in storage, I, I had to ask around about the storage market as well. We also have a publication called Energy Storage Networks that we are doing a lot of our storage coverage in. So I'm wondering what brief insight maybe you can share on what's going on in the energy storage market. I know that I've read that it's expected to really explode this year in 2018. 
You're correct. The uh, energy storage market globally is is forecast to perform quite strongly. Um, in terms of grid connected energy storage, uh, we expect around three gigawatts to be installed. And certainly a lot of the key markets remain much the same since 2017, but the United States and South Korea are really leading the development in terms of energy storage installations. And myself and my colleague were actually in South Korea a few weeks ago. And even there right now, there's uh, the market is forming extremely strongly, driven by the uh, local utilities such as Kepco. And in terms of, you know, a lot of the big trends that are going on in the markets are that there's a huge demand, especially for lithium-ion batteries forecasted in 2018. And actually, even though battery prices are coming down, there is quite strong demand. So, you know, that rate of decline um, in some regards is stabilizing in some markets um, because of a lot of pent-up demand. Um, And then looking to your own home markets, such as the United States, this is also going to be one of the standout markets of 2018. And again, there's a variety of factors driving the market. There's in California, mandates for the capacity markets where perhaps battery energy storage may be competitive against gas peakers. There's also requirements for battery energy storage to be used in terms of integrated planning resources uh, because of the different functionality uh, and revenue streams that batteries can perform. And then certainly in terms of something that's very close to our team is obviously the application in terms of solar plus energy storage. And this is obviously going to really start to, to grow and increase in 2018, uh, particularly in utility scale. And then over the longer forecast period, once we get to maybe 2020 and beyond, we'll start to see that that kind of residential and behind the meter really starting to, to grow quite strongly. So the energy storage market is, is going to be really exciting in 2018. And just also an area that Miguel and I are, are tracking quite closely is that there's a lot of solar players, uh, particularly pivoting into this segment, and certainly in terms of the inverter market, the energy storage in- inverter market as well as kind of a new growth opportunity, and particularly for big suppliers, such as SMA would mention this on their recent earnings call, and other suppliers like Siemens and other big multinationals are really starting to, to pile into this industry. So I think 2018 is going to be quite a standout year. Wonderful. Yeah, you know, after covering solar for some time, it's it's really neat to get into the storage market. And um, I see you've kind of followed that career path as, as well. I, I think a, a lot of us have. So it's really going to be cool to see how both of them work together. Yeah, no, it'll be, uh, it'll be a really exciting year. And certainly there'll be lots of opportunities. Well, we will keep in touch with both of you so we can hear what's going on, be able to share that with our readers. So I want to thank you both so much for your time today. Thanks for speaking with me. Thank Thank you. you